Welcome back, Rothlots listeners, to another episode with me, Mackenzie Tiggs. Today, I have Megan Sheehan with Boise Beauty Boards on with us today, talking about her life, domestic violence that she has been a victim of, and where she is today as a businesswoman and what has gotten her there. So, Megan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun, um, you know, getting to see our history of meeting at, you know, chamber events and then networking events and then kind of seeing your history and you taking that endeavor into starting your own business. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I actually never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. And I kind of got into charcuterie, just playing around with different things. And bringing boards to parties and birthdays and my friends encouraged me to start my own business and at the time I was like no I've got too much else on my plate um and then unbeknownst to me they started referring me out and one of my friends got me my first client and I just started building my business uh from there and basically in January, I left my full-time job and went full-time into charcuterie. <laughs> yeah. How has that been? It's been amazing. I feel so blessed to be able to work on my own, be able to be part of a community. I have a lot of people who are regular customers. Um, I have a lot of great reviews online and I'm just you know really happy to kind of just be in my element and build this and share it share my love with everyone else yeah that's super and I've actually had the privilege to having your um charcuterie boards which has been super amazing at different networking events and getting to see you step into you know taking that leap of faith and building something on your own um with your background and we can really kind of start diving into this but with your background of being in domestic violence really kind of getting literally beaten down as a human and as a mom and as a woman to now you are in a world where you are like dominating in your power where has that transition been great question i think from Basically, early on um, in my relationships, I didn't feel worthy and I didn't feel like I was ever good enough. And being able to now have that, um, you know, being a businesswoman and being, you know, my own uh, boss, it's really been able to help me um, just have more confidence and be able to really see that I have something worth sharing. And I have a lot of compassion and love for people that I want to share. And that is something that I I had before, but it was always pushed down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your past relationships and and what that was like. Certainly. So um, I've been in two uh, different marriages that were unfortunately both abusive. Uh, My first husband and I, we basically got together right after high school and um, basically when we were dating there were instances where he had pushed me um kind of uh just lots of fighting lots of um just putting me down um I always felt like I had to be perfect with him and um it was it it kind of a was one of those things where I just felt like this is the person that I married and I'm going to have to deal with it. And after um, a fight that happened between us where my son got in the middle, I said no more and I left him. And I didn't really wait around and met someone right off the bat. And the guy that I met was um, just a sweet talker, always told me, you know, just everything I wanted to hear, Um, told me he never would hurt a woman, never would do anything like that. And um, 
basically after we got married, things went downhill. And he, in in a way, was worse than my first husband. Um, he was more verbal, more emotionally um, abusive. Um, he was definitely more physical. And so I've had basically 20 years of relationships that have been abusive. Yeah. How has that been for you getting out of that, restructuring your own life, your own worth? Like, how did you figure that out and rebuild yourself? You know, it's interesting because when I left my second husband, I felt a weight of relief. I, for the longest time, I felt, again, like I just deserved it. Like I was going to be stuck in this marriage forever. There was no way out. And when I got out of that relationship, it was just like everything fell off my shoulders and I was able to breathe and I was able to do things that I hadn't been able to do before. And I think that realizing that I wasn't under this constant pressure was just that, you know, relief. And it just gave me that ability to experience new things and go out there and make something of myself because I was under so much previously. Mm -hmm. Those two relationships, did they come from also like a childhood where like you were abused as a child or no in that aspect? No, actually, I had a really great childhood. My parents were together um, most of my life. And they, uh, we grew up in a Christian household. We were a bit sheltered. <laughs> um, we definitely had a lot of restrictions on what we could do and what we couldn't do. But my parents were very loving, very kind. Um, you know, we went to church every Sunday was we were very active in our youth group and everything. Um, I did have a little bit of a hard experience growing up because I did have some difficulties. Um, just kind of backstory, I did have some medical issues when I was born and I had to overcome those. Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit delayed from my peers. And so that kind of got a little bit of, you know, less confidence in myself um, over the years. And then, of course, teenager years, I rebelled a little bit and tried to, you know, break the uh, lines. But you know, I, my parents always tried to stand by me and tried to be there for me, even through these relationships. They were, I mean, my dad, he was amazing after I uh, had my, had left my second husband. That's amazing to have, to be able yeah. to have that support with them, to be able to have that, you know, leadership and mentorship from your parents to mm -hmm. be able to guide you through that experience as well. Yeah. Where has that, you know, transitioned in your personal life of not having this disbelief of every man is going to, you know, um, verbally assault me or is going to verbally put me down or take, you know, my money and all of these different aspects of that. How have you been able to reframe that? Because you're now a fiance, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. So how has that rebuilding worked for you? It actually has been a surprise for me because I didn't really feel like there were guys out there that were actually kind and that were, um, you know, loving and just, you know, taking your hand when you need it and being there as a shoulder to cry on. Um, I was told for many years I wasn't able to cry that it I was a baby for crying and, you know, being able to now express my emotions freely and not being judged for it. It was kind of like, oh, this is how a real relationship should look like. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I, you know, my parents had a great relationship, but they had their own difficulties and everything. But I mean, for me, you know, I didn't really have a good grasp on 
what a relationship should be. And so being with my fiance now, it's just brought a whole new light. And it's amazing to just see the progress that we've made in our relationship that has just now blossomed like we're just we're so excited we can't wait to get married Mm, that's super cool and that's super cool for you to be able to share that with the listeners because I think a lot of women have obviously bad experiences with men and then they push them away and then they don't want to deal with it or they kind of put that label on oh I've been hurt by these two men and every man is like that and that's just not the reality of it Right. Um, So there is a statistic that I have seen where a woman will go back to an abuser almost nine times. And that was me. I I, um, had, I had gone back many times. I mean, I was in a, um, a safe house at one point, and I still went back to him. And so a lot of women, they get into that pattern where they just feel like every man is going to hurt them and this is what they deserve. And in reality, it's not. People, uh, women, you know, they want to feel loved. They want to feel cared for. And when they have had so many years where they haven't been, they do tend to give up. And it was very hard for me to put myself out there thinking that I was going to be hurt again. But I'm so glad that I did because I found the man of my dreams and I realized that I am worth so much more. So it's one of those things where you just have to have faith that God wants something better for you. Mm. He does not want you to be stuck in this relationship, in this, you know, attitude of every man is going to hurt me because that's not the reality. Yeah. I love that you saying that because that is having to put a lot of faith in what we cannot control and, Mm -hmm. you know, God having a bigger plan for us and saying, Hey, you know what? There was lessons you had to learn and we sometimes have to learn the hard way. right? Right. And, and you talking about that, you know, there was several times with my ex where, you know, he's cheating and it was like, you still went back because that was also what you were just kind of accustomed to. Right. And there was more comfortability in that than, oh my gosh, I have to change my whole life and how much fear comes with that. Right. And you having to overcome that fear before you even leave. And then now you got to put that fear into your faith. And so there is a lot of just diversity in in those and and why people continue to go back i mean it's it's the same with sex trafficking it's the same with you know abuse it's the same with so you know alcohol like if they don't restructure their thought process and their mind and their actual brain then it is they default to that comfort zone yeah and you know there were so many times where i remember specifically when we had some kind of altercation and I would go into the bathroom to just get away and I'd lock the door and I would go onto the floor and I would just say, God, is this my life? Is this really what you want for me? And I remember just thinking in that bathroom, is there more that I should be doing? And I think we do get into that, uh, that, feeling of there's just you know we're stuck we can't get out and there's with abuse there's a lot of manipulation that goes Mm -hmm. on with it too where we don't feel like we we kind of feel like is what he's saying right or am i wrong or you know what's going on here we get so confused because they manipulate you so well and so you get into that pattern where you're just like you don't know what happened yesterday because he's spun it 20 different times. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where we feel like we're stuck because we don't really, there's so much mind games playing in our head. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you're like, am I the crazy one or are they the crazy ones? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't quite know sometimes because there is that manipulation. There is you know, a lot of that narcissism as well in that controlling of, Mm -hmm. oh, no, you're the reason, you know, this isn't working or you're 
um, the reason that, you know, I'm acting this way in, in reality, it's just not that way. Right. It's called gaslighting mm-hmm. is basically what it is. It's basically where they will say, oh, no, you don't. I didn't hurt you. I didn't do that to you. And you're like, wait, I think I remember you doing that to me, like, or saying that to me. But you're like twisting it up. And I'm just like, no. And yeah, so it's a whole gaslighting mechanism that they do. Um, Narcissism is a part of it as well. Um, I think that one of the biggest things for me with my ex was the fact that there were a lot of times where he did stuff and my kids would even be in the room and would hear it. And I, you know, would be like, did he really say that? Did he really just throw that across the room? And my kids are like, yes, mom, he did. (laughs) But it was like, I was in that same room with my kids. They're seeing one thing and I'm seeing something else because of all that craziness that he's trying to blind me with. Yeah. How is that having children in the mix of that as well? Uh, that is the toughest part because as a mom, you want to protect your kids. You want to make sure your kids have a healthy upbringing, that they are established and, you know, and of course coming from my family, you know, we all had a good upbringing. So I wanted the same for my kids and I didn't realize how much my kids knew about everything until we actually had gone to the police and they they each had their own statements that they mm. told the police. Um, obviously, like, I knew that when we had fights, my daughter would hide in her closet. My um, Sometimes she'd go to my son's room and my son would put headphones on her so she wouldn't hear. Um, but my son still knew. So... It was really difficult for me because I'm like, I I felt like I failed my kids. I felt like I, when I heard all the stuff that they said to the police, I was just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, But now I see my kids and they love me. They respect me. They see how strong I've become coming out of that. And it's just been amazing to see them now thriving and being able to have I mean my son was a little bit older but the last part of his high school he was able to have a good high school experience Mm. and be able to have fun with his friends and you know and he's now off to college and then my daughter she's um in junior high but when I left she was basically in the middle of elementary school and she is just a social butterfly and has friends over all the time, which is something she didn't have before. So even though it was hard and I saw that my kids went through a lot and they, they saw a lot more than I wanted them to, I see that they have been able, they've been able to become strong themselves Mm -hmm. and they've been able to see their mom become strong. So I'm really blessed to have my kids just be able to grow and learn from what we've gone through yeah do they have a difficult time because that is you know that would be your son's dad and that would be your daughter's dad you know what are their relationships with them as well because there comes that aspect too so my son's dad um, my first husband, he actually took it upon himself to go to anger management. Um, we didn't have any police or anything involved with that. I just basically left and we got divorced. Um, but he took it upon himself to get better and to, you know, be a healthier person. And I actually am friends with him now. And um, my son has a good relationship with him. He would only see him uh, every once in a while because we lived apart for a long time. Um, But when we moved up to Boise, uh, his dad basically moved like a couple streets over. Mm. So he was able to go to his dad's all the time. And that was good. 
But um, so my son has a good relationship with his father and I have a good relationship with him now because he's come to me and he's apologized for so much that happened through us. And we are we are good friends. In fact, I have him over for dinner with my fiance. Mm. And so we all get along. Um, my daughter's father, we have a no contact order. And so I don't have any contact with him. He does see his daughter every other weekend. Um, and the relationship there is kind of interesting. Um, she'll come home and she'll, you know, talk to me about what her and her dad did. And I try to listen and be okay. But there are some things that she tells me and I'm like, what? (laughs) And, um, of course he has spun the whole story to her about what really happened. I have been honest to her. Um, but it's just interesting Like I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah. (laughs) I don't believe that, but I don't say that to her. I just try to be like, okay, you know, you'll figure it out one day. You'll figure Mm -hmm. out what your dad is all about. And she kind of knows. I mean, she remembers all that she went through. So she's not totally oblivious, but her dad is a good manipulator. So he has told her many things that are just like, okay, you'll figure it out when you get older. Yeah. And it will be on her time, right? Right. I mean, for maybe she knows this, but it it won't resonate as deeply until something, you know, impacts her, which is the hard part because you want to be able to protect her. You want to be able to, you know, enlighten her with everything that's gone on, even though that she's been there for it as well. She's experienced it firsthand, but you also have to be a supportive mom and say, you know what, that's still a relationship with your dad and you get to decide that when you decide that. Yeah. And it's, And I feel good that she does still have a relationship with her dad because even though I don't like him, you know, every child needs a mom and dad in their life. Mm -hmm. And for her to not have one at all would be a lot harder. So good or bad, he is still in her life. Yeah. How is that with the new man coming into your life and, you know, you guys are about to get married. How has he taken on that, you know, kind of um, relationship with them too? Because that is now you're going to be your husband. He's going to be in their lives. They're at an age where they are still younger and, um, and having that fatherly figure from him, but not necessarily his, the dad either. So they have, they actually love him so much. Um, he's been in our lives for about four years now and my daughter talks to him probably more than she does me. (laughs) Um, like they'll stay up late talking, you know, about everything and they have a lot of similar, um, likes, you know, they like horror movies and the anime and all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, they, you know, are very good, uh, compatible, um, relationship there and then with my son because he's now left the house and he's in college he's not really around as much but he still has a very good perspective of uh, my fiance he loves him he um really has he's not really going to call him stepdad Mm -hmm. because that stepdad term gave him a negative you know before Um, but he will, he's happy that we're happy and he's happy that I'm happy and that's all he wants for his mom. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I can definitely resonate, you know, with your girl because I actually had gone to, you know, court against my biological dad when I was 12 and then, you know, who my mom remarried when I was seven very similar. Like I didn't call him dad right off the bat. He was Dave and then he was daddy D and then he was dad. Like there was a progression of comfortability and trust with that relationship. And it is, you know, for the people listening, like the father or the mother don't have to be blood, you know, like Mm -hmm. my, who I call my dad is my dad. And he has filled those shoes that somebody didn't for me. And that's, fine. You know, that's my experience. That's what my life has been. And it's, it's really incredible when you can bring another person into 
the family and cultivate a family even though that they're not blood because yeah. really it's how people treat you and it's how people you know make you feel seen and heard and I can tell you like you know me and my dad have a wonderful relationship and um we have a lot of similarities as well and it's funny because I used to work with some of the people that he worked with and nobody could un- like they were like no, he's your dad. And I was like, he's actually my stepdad. Like, we're not playing. And they're like, what? You guys act the same. You guys look the same. Like, holy cow, your personalities are the same. And it really kind of shows that environment, you know, when right. you're in a healthy environment. And, you know, I think, you know, not only just being happy, but being in a healthy environment and a healthy marriage and a healthy you is so important for your other you know, children to be able to see. Yeah. And I, it's funny because like when they talk, it's, it's like back and forth. They, like my daughter, she's got a little, you know, kind of sass to her and she'll like say some kind of the like smart remark to him and he'll say one <laughs> back and they just go at it. And I love it because it's just, it's, it's so nice to be able to see my daughter laugh and smile and want to be around him, want to be around me and just have that, like you said, that family dynamic, that healthy dynamic, which we, you know, didn't have for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like that has been able to help you launch your business, having that healthy environment? Absolutely. Yes. My strongest supporter is my fiance. He is just like beyond amazing. Like he doesn't know how I do it. <laughs> He's like, I, I, he keeps telling me like, you need to take a day off. You need to relax. You need to not take on so much. And, but at the same time, he's like, go, 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 you know, mm-hmm. you're doing awesome. And like, I'll be like, Oh, I got another five star review. And he's like, of course you did, Aww. you know? And he's just, he, he is just amazing. And I have so much support. Like my friends are very supportive. I have my family. My, my dad was like, well, charcuterie is going to be good for a while, but mm. it's just a fad. And I'm like, well, I'm taking it as long as I, <laughs> as I can. So, But I mean, everyone's really happy that I've been able to have success in my life and be able to, you know, launch this business and just thrive and be able to support myself and everything. Yeah, that's really cool to be able to see, especially, you know, through what you've gone through. And and this is what I really love to be able to illustrate to people is like, you may have a hard time in your life and it may be very struggling, right? Like Mm -hmm. you had a lot of that pressure. But through that pain, you've also been able to find yourself again. You've also been able to come on, you know, the top of that and say, I'm going to be successful. I'm still going to follow my dreams. I'm still going to fall in love again because mm-hmm. because my past does not define me and what I want for my future. Um, and that illustration is really cool to be able to see the story pan out and mm-hmm. see where you can flourish when you are in a good environment. Yeah, it, one of my best friends actually made a comment to me pretty much like a year and a half after I had gotten out of my relationship. And she told me, she's like, you know, I didn't really know you when you were in, with your ex because you were shy, you didn't really want to, you know, mm-hmm. talk a lot, all this kind of stuff. And now I see you and I'm like, you just are a completely different person. Like you've come out of your shell and you've been able to, you know, this was even before my business, but she just really was amazed of like how it was just this, I guess like a flower blossoming, Mm -hmm. you know, and she's just like, I can't, I, I didn't know you before. And now I feel like I really know you and I see your heart and I see where you're, you know, going and everything. And so that uh, kind of made me think like, okay, there was a time where I had those struggles and I was beaten down and everything, but being able to blossom has been just amazing. Mm-hmm. What kind of tools would you be able to give our listeners of what helped you through those moments? Uh, great question. Um, <laughs> you know, so 
basically a year we got separated on July 4th um and it was basically a year before our divorce was final through that year we had a lot of court uh appearances uh because there were charges pressed against him and the way that he kind of manipulated the court system, it got delayed, delayed, delayed. And so we probably went to court about 10 times before he actually got charged. Mm. So each time I had to show up and I had to be in front of him. Of course, there were other people mm -hmm. there that I had a advocate, a domestic violence advocate with me. Um, but each time I was like, kind of starting to feel like stronger, like I needed to stand up. I needed to be there. I needed to speak my truth. And um, of course, I did have a, a victim witness statement that I uh, shared with the judge on that final time when he was getting sentenced. And being able to share all of that and get it all out on the table really helped me kind of just let it all go. Even though it was hard, I mean, I probably rehearsed that that statement a hundred times before I actually went into court, but I wanted to make sure that I had everything in there. And even the judge had said, you have been remarkable on how well you have been able to express yourself and express what happened and like I was like okay <laughs> you know but at the same time it just was it was one of those things like I knew that I couldn't let him get away with what he did and there mm -hmm. was there was some pretty awful things that happened um for those charges to be brought on to him mm -hmm. well and I'm sure the judge could sense that truth in you you know mm -hmm. when you are speaking the the weight of that and illustrating that and being able to you know correlate those with with words of what happened and when you are not speaking the truth and you're making these stories up it's really hard to be able to convince somebody you know that that's truly what's happening but when you are speaking what your experience has been people have to take it for what your experience has been. That yeah. That's your perspective. And that's also, like you said, your duty to be able to stand up for yourself. And that's courageous in that. Like I give you a lot of props because so many people and especially women have been beaten down so much and so hard that they then are like, oh no, I, I'm not worthy to share my story in, in court. And then nothing gets really done. And so – for that, like I give you props to being able to stand up to that because it's hard. Yeah, it's not just not feeling worthy. It's also victims often feel scared, mm -hmm. you know, like what if the judge doesn't go mm -hmm. through and charge him or her with whatever's going on? Um, it's actually interesting because my ex, um, he had gotten together with someone else and less than six months after he and I had our court date, he got charged again. Oh, wow. And the lady actually reached out to me and said, I'm so sorry, I should have seen the warning signs. I don't know how you put up with him. Um, and she was afraid to go to court. She mm. didn't want to. She didn't want to speak out against him. And so, you know, he he still got you know, charged for something, but it was a lot less because she didn't have that strength in her to speak out against him because she was, she was just utterly scared and ashamed. A lot of, a lot of victims, they feel shame, like they should have left, you know, mm -hmm. 10 years before. Um, and it's hard to get through that. And make sure that you, you know, whatever you went through, you didn't deserve. Mm -hmm. It was not, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, yelling and screaming. No man should ever put their hands on a woman. And it, it's just one of those things that 
I see, I have had so many, I have had people reach out to me and they're like, how did you get through it? And I'm like, you have to be strong to say no more, mm-hmm. no more. And that's, that's so hard for women. Mm-hmm. And it has to be, unfortunately, their own wake up call, mm-hmm. right? Because people looking at my experience of, of continuing to go back to somebody that had cheated on you and having understand where he was coming from and what was happening and, you know, all of the things where there's like, well, yeah, I, I should have. Like, that's the phrase that kind of comes up is like, well, I should have left earlier or I should have not dealt with that or, you know, um, all of the things. And, and there is a lot of, you know, kind of weight that we put on ourselves mm-hmm. and we don't give ourselves that grace of like there there had to have been good parts in that as well and and those were like kind of the glimmers that come in and you're like oh okay like that's not all bad it'll be okay and then it just gets you know further time when you see those good aspects of the person and then it just gets darker and darker and like you said it just comes to a point where you as a human being have to be able to put your foot down. And this goes for males or females because mm. I, I truly feel, you know, there's both aspects in humans of this and experiences and being able to put your foot down and say, I'm not taking it anymore. Yeah. And and that empowerment as a human is like, oh, I just kind of like shocked myself, you yeah. know? And and building that confidence like you're not going to just get it the first time right like Mm -hmm. you being able to practice that you know statement time and time and time again you're building the confidence you're building that strength like strength doesn't just come to us we have to be able to foster that we have to be able to put that work in to get stronger for ourselves yeah I think so the wake-up call for me um, was when the cop came to my house and took my statement and I showed her all the, all the things that I needed to show her and she wrote it down, took pictures, all this kind of stuff. Um, she, after she did everything, documented it, she said, okay, now we're going to go off record and she turned off her recorder or whatever and she's like I want to talk to you woman to woman Mm. if you hadn't gone through and uh, press charges now we would have been coming back with you in a body bag Mm. and that right there was a wake-up call because I was like oh crap I would not be able to be there for my kids and that's how far and how violent it had gotten. But I didn't really like, I didn't really think about it in the whole aspect until she just told me we would have been coming back with a corner because it would have gone further. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and I mean, there's just, it, it's one of those things where, you know, there's a cycle of violence where it will get better and you'll try to see the glimmer of hope and you'll try to see, okay, maybe he's changing. Maybe he's doing something. My ex cheated too. Um, and honestly, like that wasn't really even a biggest factor of our <laughs> like relationship, but he was, he, he did what I did. And I was like, um, but you, you go through that cycle where, you know, it's uh, one day awful and then the next day just you know roses and family time and all this kind of stuff and then it goes back to you know things building up and tension and all that and then of course the blow up and it's it actually has like that cycle of violence and a lot of uh domestic violence books and papers and stuff where you know people that's why they stay because they're just kind of going around that circle or Mm -hmm. that merry-go-round because they they just they can't ever see a way out Mm -hmm. well and it's it's so many cycles that occur because we don't know how to put something in there and interject and Mm -hmm. stop that cycle because they're just they're used to like you said the merry-go-round it just goes and goes you get off you get back on it's like the same ride you know Mm -hmm. but until you actually 
like you said, put your foot down, get somebody involved, um, walk away from it, turn away from it. Like that, you have to put something in that loop to stop it. Right. And then that's where you can look and you're like, oh my gosh, like I have been taking this on because you get these blinders on. You don't see it because it's these tiny little microscopic changes throughout the day or your life that you're like, how did I get here? And it's like all those tiny little things that start adding up and then you you don't see it because it's not this catastrophic thing. Right. And it was interesting, like, I want to go back to, like, you know, my children giving their statements to the police. I didn't see all the things that he was doing to them. Mm. Luckily, he never physically hurt them. That was a blessing. But the emotional and verbal abuse was damaging enough. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I, I always stood up to him when he said, awful things about my son or when he would even put down my son right into his face and everything I would be like stop don't do that you know I would I would try to interject and be protective mom but he didn't care he just always wanted to just throw my son under the bus and I didn't see how damaging it was to my son until you know we got out and we all went to therapy we all went to counseling and we all you know did our you know reflective um you know reflective path on Mm -hmm. what happened and everything of course my daughter was younger so my son was a little more affected than she was um and i think it's just it's interesting how we we don't really see everything until it's like, here's a statement, black and white. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. What advice would you give to moms in that situation? <sighs> so I know how hard it is to feel Like, you love that person. You want them to change. You want to have that family. You want to be able to have that picture-perfect life. But if you are in a situation where you are being abused, you do not deserve that. And that is not the life you should be living. Mm -hmm. You need to get out. You need to seek some help. You need to reach out to a friend, reach out to the police, reach out to, we've got great resources here in the Treasure Valley. Um, I went to Faces of Hope and they were amazing for me. They helped me through all the court stuff. They helped me with a divorce attorney. They helped me with food. I mean, there are so many resources. You are not stuck and you need to make sure that you reach out because No one deserves to be stuck in that situation feeling like there is no hope because Mm -hmm. there is. And God wants more for you. Mm, That's powerful. Yeah. What would you say to, you know, transitioning and kind of ending on a on a higher note because there's these trials, but there's always these triumphs too, right? Mm -hmm. What would you tell people wanting to get into the entrepreneurship because that is also kind of it's difficulty in its own sense and can <laughs> and can you know I would say like bring up some of those past things of of reaching out to people and not feeling worthy and not you know getting that call back or getting so many no's like that just takes a mental toll on you mm-hmm. where where or what advice would you give the entrepreneurships um, or entrepreneurs in that aspect too? I think the best advice I can say is jump in with both feet. You have to give it your all. You have to just make, like, just run. Just run for those goals. Run for those milestones because it, you – if you do it just kind of haphazardly where you're like, okay, it's a side business, whatever, you're never going to make it. Mm-hmm. You have to go in full on, be able to give it your all. I 100% all my energy goes into my business. I'm waking up at five in the morning, 
answering emails. I'm going to bed at night after slicing 20 pounds of cheese, you know? (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's a lot, but it's so worth it because when you have feedback from people saying you're your spread was amazing or, oh my gosh, you are so knowledgeable. I do, um, I do everything from weddings to boards to workshops. Like, I mean, I had a workshop uh, about a month ago and it was over 30 people and it was like the best thing ever. And I hate speaking in front of people, but I went up there and I gave it my all. I had all my little notes and my cheesy facts Mm. and everyone loved it. And it just like, I just felt so good about myself. And so if you don't go in all in, you're missing out. And so it's just amazing to have that feeling and that empowerment to know like, I'm, I'm putting everything in here and I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. You're giving all your effort to succeeding. Mm-hmm. You're giving all the effort to learning and, and taking it to it not being perfect, but growing through the knowledge and understanding. I mean, how do you find facts about cheese? Like, where do you find <laughs> your cheese, right? Like, because I've had your spreads and they're phenomenal. Like, how as a consumer are you going out into our community and finding these things as well? Um, so I do a lot of shopping and so I basically shop everywhere. Um, I do have some wholesale accounts from some cheese, um, some larger cheese companies and everything, but I'm, I spend uh, probably two or three days sometimes a week just shopping, going from Trader Joe's to Costco to, uh, there's a store called U.S. Chef's Store that's amazing. They get the big blocks of cheese mm. and everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, short answer, I'm driving everywhere <laughs> shopping and it's, it's it's just crazy. It's it, But it's my job. So I've got to go out there and find it. And I've learned how to, you know, find the right prices for different things too so i know where to go for my salami i know where to Mm. go for cheese certain cheeses and stuff like that that's awesome that's super awesome what else through your story and your your trials to triumphs would you want our listeners to know about you so i think one of the biggest things that i want people to understand is that domestic violence is one of those things that a lot of people don't like to talk about. They want to push it under the rug. They want to ignore it. But really, domestic violence happens all the time Mm -hmm. to any social economic status. I mean, you can have a woman who's a millionaire be in a domestic violence relationship down to, you know, someone who's a young teenager. Um, And I think really what I want to share is that we need to start speaking up. We need to start helping people when they share that they have had some kind of abuse, whether it be physical, emotional, financial. We need to be able to see those um, red flags and help that person. Um, I read something not too long ago about the church, there's at least a one in every four women in the church have been abused. Wow. And that is scary because you're sitting there in a congregation and, you know, looking around, you can, there's a lot of women in there. So it's just one of those things we need to start not pushing it under the rug, but really speaking out. Mm-hmm. And getting and and also for men too. I mean, men can be abused as well, and so we need to let them have a voice mm-hmm. and not make them feel ashamed because there's a lot of shame for men, um, and being in an abusive relationship. So we we just need to start talking more about it, and that's why I'm kind of glad that I'm on today because this is October and it's October, uh, October is domestic violence awareness month. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it kind of fit in perfectly. Um, but it's just one of those things we just got to keep getting the word out there and helping those people that 
are in our lives that might have those things happening to them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I appreciate you being able to come on and share the difficulties and the rawness of what has occurred to you because with that you are able to help those people that are listening. You are able to help those individuals that aren't yet ready to speak up. And mm-hmm. with you being that courageous person, standing up, being, you know, authentic into yourself, being real, being willing to share, like all of the things that we talk about about being raw is so incredible because you're helping those other women find that courage and say, hey, you know what? I'm in a similar situation as her and I've seen the light come from her, you know, life. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to give you, you know, huge, huge kudos to doing that and, and to coming on here and sharing your story and sharing your own truth because that is also difficult. You know, that's yeah. why a lot of people don't do it. And, um, you know, for that, I really thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And one last thing is that it is a journey so even though it may look like I have it all together, I still do have my low points. I still have memories, but I've actually been able to have a lot more life and better days and it's outweighing all those bad days that I had. So it is still a journey. You're still going to have those hit and misses, but on the other side, there's so much good. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it's really good. And thank you so much for letting me be yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listeners, thank you again for being here and listening to another person's story um, in their experience in life. If you are a victim of domestic violence, please do not be afraid to reach out. If you need to reach out to the podcast, if you need to reach out to the uh, police a family member. There is a lot of resources here locally in the Treasure Valley, but if you are outside of that as well, please look into that. Do the duty for yourself um, and be able to, you know, courageously stand up and know that there is a better life out there for you. With that, I appreciate everybody listening to another episode. I will talk to you later, guys. (laughs) 